speaking, it was done. Welcome to sermons from St. Paul's Lutheran Church of Minot, North Dakota. St. Paul's is anchored in the message of Christ crucified for the forgiveness of sins, for the church and for the world. The following sermon is from Reverend Dr. Matthew Richard. Holy Gospel according to St. Luke, the 16th chapter. Jesus said, There was a rich man who was clothed in purple and fine linen, and who feasted sumptuously every day. And at his gate was laid a poor man named Lazarus, covered with sores, who desired to be fed with what fell from the rich man's table. Moreover, even the dogs came and licked his sores. The poor man died and was carried by the angels to Abraham's side. The rich man also died and was buried. And in Hades, being in torment, he lifted up his eyes and saw Abraham far off and Lazarus at his side. And he called out, Father Abraham, have mercy on me, and send Lazarus to dip the end of his finger in the water and cool my tongue, for I am in anguish in this flame. But Abraham said, Child, remember that you in your lifetime received your good things, and Lazarus in a like manner bad things, but now he is comforted here, and you are in anguish. And besides all this, between us and you a great chasm has been fixed, in order that those who would pass from here to you may not be able, and none may cross from there to us. And he said, Then I beg you, Father, to send him to my father's house, for I have five brothers, so that they may warn them, lest they also come into this place of torment. But Abraham said, They have Moses and the prophets. Let them hear them. And he said, No, Father Abraham, but if someone goes to them from the dead, they will repent. He said to him, If they do not hear Moses and the prophets, neither will they be convinced if someone should rise from the dead. This is the Gospel of the Lord. In the name of Jesus. Amen. My friends, let's get it out of the way right now. Let's just deal with it right now. Get it out of the way. Riches and wealth are not evil, and they do not lead a person to hell. Also, we need to say right now, being poor and in poverty does not lead one to everlasting life. This is not what Jesus was teaching in our gospel reading this morning from the Gospel of Luke. You see, Jesus is not validating communism or socialism or social justice agendas. In other words, only a fool believes naively that rich people are evil and poor people are good. It just is not the case. Keep in mind that there will be plenty of rich people in heaven and hell alike, just as there will be plenty of poor people in heaven and hell alike. Now, with that said, we must not be too quick to dismiss the issue of money itself, though. Even though money itself is not evil or good, rather it is the love, the love of money, that should concern us. Consider our story from Jesus yet again. 
there's a rich man. Indeed, there's a rich man and a poor man, poor Lazarus. The rich man, he ended up in hell, and poor Lazarus ended up in heaven. And the reason why? Well, it's quite simple. The rich man was an arrogant, selfish, independent playboy who was so inwardly focused, he was so inwardly focused on himself that he did not see a need for God or his neighbor or the need of his neighbor for him. Whereas poor Lazarus, Lazarus on the other side, well, he was a beggar. He was poor in spirit. He was spiritually hungry. He was helpless, and he knew it. He knew that he needed help from others, especially God. And so before us, we have two types of individuals. Poor Lazarus knew his condition, and he turned outward for mercy. However, that rich playboy, well, he only cared for himself, resulting in himself being blind and deaf to the needs of grace for himself, as well as the need of Lazarus right before him. Now, for all of us Americans, we should pay particular attention to the rich man this morning. Not necessarily because he is rich, but because of his attitude, his disposition. That's to say, we Americans should take note that the rich man was consumed with the need to maximize his pleasure. Yes, to maximize his pleasure. With his purple robe and his nice precious linen, him being merry and his luxurious eating habits, well, he ended up in hell because he made his belly his god. (laughs) We could say that his belches and burps were his praise. All he could think of was his appetite for pleasure. What he could get, what he could consume, what he could take for himself. Now, consider for a moment. Consider for a moment how our modern-day advertising in America tempts us down the rich man's path. For example, let us consider technology. For the sake of discussion, let's pick on you Apple folks out there, as I'm a Samsung phone-type guy. Once you purchase an iPhone 11, indeed, I think it's an iPhone 12 right now, but once you purchase an iPhone 11, what they do is they come out with an iPhone 12. But they don't just introduce a new product. Instead, they make it look like the new product is superior to your old piece of junk, your iPhone 11. And so you see that iPhone 12, and you feel, oh, you feel second class with your junky iPhone 11. You feel deficient with everybody else around you having that iPhone 12. But there's more. Marketers and advertisers, they want to make you feel like you have every right to buy that new product. Who cares about your budget? Who cares about it? There's free financing. Who cares about saving for later? You deserve it right now. In fact, you deserve it right now. In fact, I would go so far as to say that some of the different marketers, they portray you and me as consumers, as victims who have every right to buy the product so that we can finally have it a little bit easier in our lives to have happiness and success and satisfaction. Simply stated, these marketers create discontentment amongst us, which then opens the door for coveting. Then they give you a solution, a remedy to your coveting eyes to buy their phone, to buy their product, And then they appeal to your appetite. That's where it's at. They appeal to your appetite, the appetite of your gut, to get you to buy their product. 
You need to have it your way, friends, because you are worth it. Yes, because you are worth it. And we Americans, well, we're naive, we're foolish, we're gullible, we listen and we consume, we buy and we buy and we buy, we eat and we eat and we eat, we consume and we consume and we consume. And if a neighbor has something better than us, rather than saying, God be praised for their new device, their new thing, well, we feel incomplete and then we work hard to get what our neighbor has for ourselves. Now, dear friends, as already mentioned, this all goes the way of the rich man, the rich man's attitude. And when we go the way of the rich man, we become so fixated on our wants and our desires and our appetites that we develop almost a tunnel vision. We ignore everything else around us except for the appetite of our guts. We become, at the same time, arrogant and a self-centered jerk who cares for no one except fulfilling our own desires. Now, as bad as this is, and it is indeed bad, what is even worse, though, is that when we fear love and trust in our desires and wants and appetites more than the Lord God ourselves. You see, when we fear love and trust in our desires and wants and appetites, well, we not only end up not having time for our neighbor in need, but we have no time for God himself. Bluntly stated, the way of the rich man lands us smack dab in hell alone, by ourselves. We like to make excuses about this, though. For example, to pick on us right here and right now, and I'm not excluding myself, we make a ton of excuses in America for why we do not want to go to church and why we fail at our piety. Sure, there are legitimate excuses and very reasonable explanations for times when we cannot make it to church. However, if we're really honest, I mean, seriously, if we're really honest as Americans, the majority of the time when we neglect the Lord's church and sacraments is because we desire other things more than God. I mean, that's the blunt fact. It really is. You see, that may be uncomfortable for us to hear, and uncomfortable for me to say, but it is true. It really is. We Americans simply do not have the courage to be honest that we have a greater appetite for sleeping in than for the word and sacrament. We don't like to admit it that we have a greater desire to sit in a movie theater or a basketball gym for three hours, and I might add on an uncomfortable hard bench, than to sit in padded pews for just one hour once a week. Ouch. That hurts. My friends, it hurts. You know why? Because it's true. It's true. Frankly, we Americans come up with all sorts of excuses why we don't go to church and neglect our piety, ignoring the real reason. Oh, the sermons are not relevant. The music is too boring and people are mean. Yada, yada, yada. But frankly, all these excuses, all these excuses are simply a smokescreen we Americans want to be entertained. We want to appease our appetites. We want to fulfill our desires. And the church, well, it doesn't feed the appetite of our guts. So we don't go. We just simply don't go. Or we make excuses why we don't go. And so we go the way of the rich man. We do not fear. 
We do not love and trust in God, but we fear being bored. We love being entertained, and we trust in the appetite of our stomachs more than God himself. And when we do this, we not only neglect those in need around us while spitting in the face of God, but we also flirt with the abyss of hell itself. Tough to hear, but true. Lord, have mercy on your pastor. This is my heart. Lord, have mercy on you. Lord, have mercy on all of us Americans. There's a tremendous catch-22, though, to what we have been discussing thus far. And that is this. If you and I go the way of our wants and desires and appetites, you and I will never be satisfied. The Old Testament talks about this. Solomon in the Old Testament, King Solomon, he says this best. He says that if one who loves money goes down that path, one will never be satisfied with money. In other words, if your goal is to simply consume and eat and take, well, listen up. You must hear this. You will never be satisfied in this life. It's a vicious trap. The more you consume, the emptier you feel. The more you take, the poorer you feel. The more you reach, the farther you fall. You will never be satisfied. Never, ever. But perhaps the biggest catch-22 is the fact that the rich man, he ended up in hell because all that he was seeking, all that he was wanting and consuming was not able to get this bleed for him, suffer for him, or atone for his sins. You see, that which the rich man, that which the rich man sought was not able to give back to the rich man. You see, the rich man was all about grabbing a hold of things, to, to, to grab a hold of things, to squeeze out of them value and pleasure and entertainment, to, to pull that to himself. But in the end, this is what Solomon teaches us, these things run dry. The rich man found himself in hell with nothing to atone for his sins. My friends, there is only one thing that gives to you and me. There's only one thing that bleeds and atones for your sins. And that one thing is not a thing but a person. That thing is Christ Jesus. The person is Christ Jesus. But here's the catch with Jesus. Jesus is not just another meaningless worldly thing that you need to somehow seize with your sinful appetite. No, Christ does not come to you by your clamoring, your grabbing, and your sinful appetites. He will not succumb or be hijacked by your sinful nature. You do not capture Jesus with greedy hands. My friends, instead, get this, Christ comes to you as the way of gift. He comes to beggarly hands. Beggarly hands. Baptized saints, Jesus is the one true God who is able to bleed for you to save you. And unlike money and sex and power or food or whatever else we grab a hold of to somehow try to maximize our pleasures in this life, no matter what, we know that these things cannot bleed and atone for our sins. And this is why the rich man went to hell and Lazarus went to paradise. Lazarus went to paradise not because he was poor, but because he received the Lord's goodness and forgiveness, yes, as a gift, as a gift with open hands. Listen up this morning. Christ comes for beggarly, dirty hands marred with sin, not hands clinging to the treasures of the world. 
And so my friends, repent with me. Drop everything. Stop trying to squeeze value and worth and pleasure out of meaningless things that do not bleed or give back to you. Receive Christ, for he comes to you to give, not take. And this church, hear this, the church is not for the purpose of your entertainment. If nothing else, hear this this morning. This church, St. Paul's Lutheran Church, is not for the purpose of your entertainment. It is not here for you to feed your bellies or achieve all your wildest dreams. The church is not in the same realm as entertainment, movies, fun basketball games, or enjoyable dinner parties, as good as they may be. And don't get me wrong, they're many times very good and very appropriate for us as Christians to bask in the radiance of God's grace and love one another with fun events. That is to say, when we choose other entertaining things above or over the church, we're essentially admitting or treating the church as if it is somehow in the same category as going to the movies or other things such as this, when it is essentially not. The church is not a rich man's option among other entertaining things but it is a necessity for poor, beggarly sinners. Baptized saints, listen up. You come to this church not like the rich man, just for another entertaining option, but you come to this church, we stand shoulder to shoulder, and we beat our chest, confessing that we are poor, miserable sinners in thought, word, and deed. You come here, again, not to be entertained, but you come here to beat your chest and admit that you are a sinner just like Lazarus, and then, my friends, you receive. You receive. You sure do. You receive forgiveness and life and salvation, not unto your damnation, but unto paradise forever. Blessed beggarly saints, we receive here, and we receive often, for Christ gives, and he gives often. He gives you this day into your ears, upon your tongue, and into your bellies, his body and blood, the forgiveness of sins, the hope of everlasting life. He gives you forgiveness, life, and salvation this day as beggars just like Lazarus. In the name of Jesus, amen. Thy strong word bespeaks us righteous, bright with